0: Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message
1: we are so glad to have with us our uh, guest pastor not really a guest they're, this is really their home church where that they, when they're in florida and we're glad during the winter because they're more win, uh, snowbirds uh, that we get to see him and have him minister a whole lot more often during this period of time and so would you put your hands together for pastor bob guerrero as he comes to minister to us today
0: thank you pastor praise god hallelujah Can everybody hear me okay? (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen? Amen? I'll tell you, it feels good to be home. I never thought I'd call Florida home, but I like it down here, I'll tell you. You guys are blessed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, to bring forth your word to these, your people, Lord God. And I pray not only for an anointing upon the word, Lord God. But even so, Lord, I pray an anointing upon every heart and every life, Lord, that everybody that leaves here today will leave here changed, Lord God, as we look to your word together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I really wanted to preach a sermon this morning on God's blessing and favor and provision for our lives, which... Most of us like to hear, and it always goes off well. But in obedience to God, I need to preach on what God put on my heart for today, and that is the importance of recognizing the enemy. And for those who say, well, you know, I don't want to talk about the devil and the evil all around us, let me tell you, Jesus spoke quite often about Satan, demons, their influence in our life, and the consequences of hell. And one of the biggest problems today causing Christians to live in defeat and sorrow and depression is failing to recognize the enemy. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says clearly, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, now the scripture isn't telling us to be mindful and vigilant of the devil so we could be ignorant of his existence in and around our lives. You're never going to have a victorious life if you don't recognize the enemy and then exercise authority over him. And, And way too many people don't see the enemy working in their lives so they never get victory because they never get to the root of the problem. Now, about 35 years ago, I managed some professional boxers, and this was more of a hobby than a business because I never made any money doing it. And, and, and I managed a few fighters, and one of them actually became a world champion. So I had a pretty good eye for picking young, upcoming fighters who could go all the way and, and, and become champion, and, and that was always the goal. And my job as a manager was to pick the right fights and the right opponent for my fighter, Stay away from the guys I thought would give my guy the most trouble. And the way I did that was to know the opponent. I would make sure that I could recognize the opponent, know who he is, know as much about him as I could find out. And when a promoter would call me and offer me a fight for my fighter uh, against an opponent from another country, say like Russia, I would immediately turn the fight down because I didn't know the opponent. I didn't recognize him. And when we don't know the opponent when we don't know our enemy, often defeat can come. And as men and women of God, if we want victory in our lives, we need to recognize the enemy. We need to see the source of the problem. You might be blaming your husband. The man's impossible to live with. You might be blaming your wife. The woman's like living with a dripping faucet. You might be blaming your children. What, resti- what rebellious, disrespectful kids they turned out to be! When all along there may be a roaring, lying, seeking to devour you and sow discord in your life and in your family. Perhaps you fail to recognize him. and And the devil's mission—it's simple. He has three goals for your life: to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John ten ten says the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Well, I thank God Jesus said that I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So what will the devil steal? He'll steal everything and anything you allow him to steal. You see, the devil can't rob you of anything except what you allow him to rob you of. But he'll be glad to rob you of your peace and your joy he would be glad to destroy your life, your marriage, your family, even your faith if you let him. And he comes to kill. He comes to kill. And we're seeing this all around us on a scale like never before, almost on an hourly basis. And, and, and it's just amazing to see what, what human beings can do to other human beings and what people can do to small children. And when we see this, let me tell you, this isn't just about rotten people. There are forces of evil that are working behind this. And the the ultimate goal the devil has for everyone's life, his ultimate end result is spiritual death. Eternity in hell. Now, Now some of you, somebody here might be thinking, hold on a minute, Pastor Bob, I'm a holy roller. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. The devil won't mess with me. He can do a job out in the world on those who don't know Jesus and live in sin, but he knows better than to mess with me. He isn't coming my way. Let me tell you, if that's you this morning, allow me to clear you up on your misconception and give you some bad news. If the devil wasn't shy about trying and attempt and go after our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I hope you don't think he's afraid to come after you. Oh, yeah. Sometimes the more you get involved in ministry, the more you impact your community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the more you labor for the Lord, the greater the, re- the greater the assault That's is right. from the enemy. That's right. You say, why? Because the devil is very crafty. Yeah. You see, he doesn't need to waste much time on the prostitute and the drug addict and the sinner and those who don't know Christ or those who are following dead religion that's going to lead them to hell. And why should he? What's the sense in wasting time on somebody who's already riding on the express train to hell and who will never ever save one soul for Jesus Christ? But, but when you can help save souls, when you become a minister of this gospel or get involved in ministry or you're involved in worship or perhaps you become a worship leader or a preacher of this gospel or if you're in a position to, to build and to plant churches, you're a threat to the devil and he will wait patiently for you to put your guard down. He will launch an all out assault against the spirit filled believer if we give him opportunity because it's simple. He wants to stop you from spreading this gospel and winning souls. But we got some bad news for the devil, amen? Allow me to read from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. It says Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted by the devil and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward he was hungry now now you notice the devil waited until jesus was weak and literally starving before he struck it says and when the tempter came to him he said if you are the son of god command that these stones be made bread but he answered and said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god Then the devil took him into the holy city and and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then the devil took him up again into an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. If the devil had the audacity to tempt Jesus, you better believe he has the audacity to tempt you. You know, Jesus and Peter were once talking, and Jesus began to tell Peter that he must suffer and be put to death, and that he would rise again. And and, and Peter began to rebuke him, and he said, no, Lord, he says, this thing will not happen to you. Do you remember how Jesus responded? Jesus looked at Peter, and he said, get behind me, Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Peter must have turned around and said, what in the world is Jesus talking about? I don't see anybody there. You see, Peter didn't recognize the enemy who was influencing him. Jesus recognized him, but Peter missed it. Let me tell you, church, if Peter missed it, we could miss it too if we're not careful. See, if you believe in God, you have to believe in the devil. If you believe in angels, you have to believe in demons. And if you believe in heaven, you have to believe in hell because this word speaks of both. And my goal for this morning's sermon is that everyone will leave here recognizing the enemy when he comes against your life so you could take hold of him and you could remove him from your situation in the mighty name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter two verse eleven says, "Let Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." If you don't recognize the craftiness of the enemy, you'll never know what the root of your problem is. He needs to be recognized. He needs to be identified, and then he can be rebuked. James four seven. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will what? Hang around. No, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let me tell you, every person in this room has been tempted and has been approached by demonic spirits, sometimes influenced, but all of us have had our experience dealing with the enemy of our souls. And my experience with the devil is probably a little different than most, if not all of you. Because I had an unusual encounter once with the father of all lies. How many here know that the devil is a liar? At least half of you. Let me tell you, the devil's a liar. You know, some 25 or 30 years ago, just before I got into ministry, I was working and I got a phone call that my Grandfather was rushed to the hospital, so I raced over there, and when I got there, I found that he had been rushed in for emergency service for an aneurysm in his abdomen that had about to burst, and it was a very serious operation. And I remember when I was told, I can remember um, feeling very guilty because while I spoke to him once or twice about the Lord, I knew that I didn't do my part to try to get him into the kingdom of, of heaven, and, and, and he was not a saved man, so... <laughs> I I felt that, and I I went over to the window. I never forget walking over to that window in Lawrence Hospital and looking up to the sky and just saying, oh, Lord, forgive me for not doing my part. I said, but, Lord, I said, I'm going to ask you to stand firm on your promise that it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I said, get my grandfather through this and give me an opportunity to speak those words to him again and uh, a couple hours later the doctor came out said the operation was a success he said he'd be in bed resting he said everybody go home he says he's going to be out of it you, you just come back tomorrow and so my whole family we left and, and went home which which kind of was a miracle in itself because we come from a family where if somebody has a splinter in their pinky toe you know everybody shows up at the hospital but they all went home, and and my dad stood behind, and he said, I'm going to stay a little longer, make sure Grandpa gets a room, and everything's going well. So we went to my mom's house, and we're there, and about 9 o'clock at night, my dad calls me, and he says... I just left Grandpa in the room. He said he's got the uh, tube down his throat. He can't speak, he says, but he's wide awake and he understands everything. And when he used those words, that hit me like a thunderbolt, you know. He understands everything. So I said to, you know, the family, we said, we're going to leave and go home. Me and Joyce left. I never told them I was going to the hospital. We get downstairs. I says to Joyce, we're going to head to the hospital now. She said, why don't we just go tomorrow? I says, no, I said, we have to go tonight. So we get to the hospital, and I got to tell you, I had an anointing and a power on me of the Holy Spirit like I can't explain, okay? I'd been praying all day. So I was prayed up. I was bold. I was confident. And I walked down that hall, and there there he was in the room, and I walked right over with all confidence, and I took him by the hand, and I said, Grandpa, I said, Jesus loves you. And he looked at me, and he shook his head no. And I said, Grandpa, you have to listen to me. I said, I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you. And he got, his face got angry. And he went like this. And I said, listen to me. I says, I'm here to let you know that Jesus wants to forgive you right now of your sin. And with that, He starts shaking his head no. He's got this angry look on his face. I'm getting nervous that he's going to pull the tubes out, you know, are going to come out because he's shaking his head and trying to get me to leave the room, you know. And I'm saying, what am I doing wrong? It's not like I asked him to co-sign a loan or something. I said, I'm there trying to tell him about Jesus, right? So, 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 so with that, a nurse comes in and she says, could you step out of the room, please, uh, for a couple of minutes, right? As most of you know, when you're in the hospital, they think you're a pincushion, right? They come in and out of the room every 10 minutes sticking you with something. So I said, okay, so I step out of the room and the door is open and and he's there in the bed and, and, and she pulls the curtain so that the curtain covers his, his head and his torso up to about his hips, but his legs were beyond the curtain. They were exposed, right? And I was about the distance right there from, like from, from my sister, right here. That's about where I was. And the door was open, and I remember standing out there, and I looked up to heaven, and I said, God, what is it I'm doing wrong, Lord? Put the words in my mouth. Teach me what to say. Anoint me. Do something, God, because I don't know what to say. I said, but once again, I'm asking you to stand on your promise that it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, 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 and after I said that, I turned and I looked at my grandfather, right where his legs were exposed, and I saw this creature, for lack of better words, this person, this hooded creature, sitting on the bed right next to him with his hand like this, holding his leg, just sitting there like that. And and church, I am not talking about with my eyes closed. I'm talking about with my eyes wide open, just like I'm looking at your pastor, right there, sitting there in, 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 in plain living color. I blinked my eyes once or twice. And I pointed my finger and I said, Satan, right now I command you in the mighty name of Jesus, I said, take your hand off my grandfather and get out of that room. And instantly he was gone. I walked back in that room. I walked over to him. I grabbed his hand. I said, Grandpa, Jesus loves you. He looked at me and he smiled and he went like this. I said... I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you. You want to ask Jesus right now to forgive you of your sin and invite him into your heart? And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, yes. We prayed the sinner's prayer. He accepted Christ right there on the spot. Accepted Christ right there on the spot. And, 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 And right after that, I said to him, I said, you're going to get better now, right, Grandpa? And he shook his head and he said, no. And I said, you know what? I said, you're not going to get better. I said, you're going to die now. Now, this is really hard for me to explain to you, but for this few minutes when I was in this spiritual realm, as God rolled back the curtains of the invisible spiritual world to allow me to see into that world, for them few minutes, I knew things that you would never know. If somebody walked in the room I never met, I could tell you what their name was. was It's really hard for me to explain. But I knew he was going to die. God spoke to me. There was no denying it. And I wasn't about to deny it. So I looked at him and I said, you know what? I said, you're right. I said, you're going to die now. I said, but you know what? I said, you're going to go home to be with Jesus for all eternity. And so I said, I want you to just look up to heaven and I want you to just keep repeating these words. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And, and, And I saw his lips... He was looking up, and he was saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you. I kissed him on the forehead. I says, I'll see you someday soon on the other side. And I walked out of that hospital room. I went downstairs. I got in the car. um, Joyce was waiting for me in the car downstairs. She said, how'd it go? I said, he accepted Christ. I never told her uh, at that time what had happened. I said, he accepted Christ. She said, tomorrow we'll get some flowers, and we'll head over to the hospital. I said, no. I said, there won't be any tomorrow. She said, what are you talking about? I thought the operation was a success. I said, it was a success. I can't explain it. There won't be no tomorrow. I drove from that hospital, a Lawrence Hospital, to my house, which is no more than a seven, maybe eight-minute drive. As I got home, I put the key in the door, and when I was turning the key, I heard the telephone ringing. I walked in. I picked up the phone. It was my dad. He said, the hospital just called. Grandpa passed away. And, you know, I traced the time back to the amount of time it would have taken for him to have actually died, for them to try to resuscitate them, to pronounce him dead, and to actually make that phone call. And it couldn't have possibly have been more than 30 to 60 seconds from the time I walked out of that room that he passed away and went home to be with the Lord. So this whole thing was orchestrated by God. But you know, when this was all over, I thought to myself, I said, oh God, how good are you? that you would allow me the unusual privilege to see into the invisible spiritual world for a few minutes just to save one sinner and to stand on your promise. But you know something, church? A few years later, I realized something, that that wasn't the only reason that God did what he did. Because back then, I didn't know that I'd be preaching this gospel. Back then, I didn't know that I'd be giving this testimony to thousands of people through the years. And back then, I didn't know, but God knew that on October 22nd, 2023, I'd be standing in the New Life Church in Pembroke Pines, Pines, giving this testimony to a church full of people and testifying of the reality of the spiritual world. And I'm here this morning to tell you, church, it's real. The spiritual world, it's real. The powers of darkness, they're real. I saw them with my own eyes. And through this morning's divine appointment, God wants you to know that everything in this word is true. Right. See, see we're all just getting to know each other. But if you would ask anybody in my home church in New York, people who know me 20, 30 years, they'll tell you Pastor Bob doesn't see spirits and visions and angels flying around every week. This was one time only, but God wants me to let you know that there's an enemy that we need to be aware of who can wreak havoc on your life if we're not wise to his cunning devices. You see, had I not known the reason my grandfather was violently rejecting Christ was the presence of demonic spirits, I never would have known what was needed. I would have tried a little longer I would have choked it up to stubbornness and walked out and said, I did the best I could, and he would have died lost. I hope you're getting this. And there are two things I can tell you for sure during this supernatural experience. Number one, demons are real, and they will do everything they can to influence people away from Christ. And number two, I can tell you this. When I rebuked that spirit, he was powerless. I mean, I know they got a lot of these crazy movies and, and documentaries through the years of demon possession and 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 exorcisms and 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 the battles between the priest and the and and the demons that go on for hours and go on for days and 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 I have no comment about that. But what I can tell you is this, when I pointed my finger and I said, I commend you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ Almighty, he was gone. See, you don't need to fear demons if you're a child of God. But you do need to be aware of them. You do need to be aware. You see, there's something we all have to be careful of because the devil's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. He doesn't always show up in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. Many times he comes as an angel of light. And let me tell you, there are so many people today preaching a warded down, compromised, upside down version of this gospel that it's becoming scary. And religion is leading millions astray. Let me tell you, you are a blessed church. I've been doing this for 36 years, and I've been in a lot of churches, and I'm not just saying this, but I hope all of you know how blessed you are to be under leadership that preaches an uncompromised word of God. Thank you, Pastor Maria. So somebody said, so what should we do, Pastor Bob, to gain victory over this enemy? And, and not fall prey to his deceitful ways. Well, the first thing I want to warn all of you about, and one of the devil's greatest tricks, is this the power of gradual compromise. You see, the devil's way too crafty to say it's okay to watch pornography, it's okay to steal something, it's okay to have an adulterous affair or to hold a grudge against somebody for the rest of your life. The devil's not going to throw that at you because it's too obvious it would raise a red flag. If he were to say it's okay to commit adultery, you'd say, forget about it. Who are you kidding? It's too obvious, and you'd recognize him. So what he does is he tries to get you to take one tiny, almost unnoticeable step in the wrong direction. And then we get used to that. It's not so bad. And then we take another one. And then we take another one. And then we take another. The next thing you wonder, how in the world did I get over here? That TV show, it's a bit risque, but it's not so bad. So, so, so we, we compromise and we take that step and we digest it. It's not so bad. And then we go a little more and a little more and a little more. And the next thing you know, you're watching pornography and you're saying, how in the world did this happen to me? That's similar to what happened to the prodigal son that Jesus spoke about. I guess you could say that he fell victim to the devil's deceitful tricks of gradual compromise. He's the one, if you remember, he was looking for his inheritance money now rather than later. He thought it was okay to take a journey away from his father. Uh, He thought he was missing something. Till he left home and he went to a far land and he began to spend all on riotous living. It started out slow, but it increased more and more. And at one point, his riotous living led him to blowing all his money on prostitutes. He went from safety at home to a journey away from his father to a little bit of fun to riotous living to prostitutes to losing everything. And and as a famine broke out, he began to be in want, so he took a job feeding pigs for money. He was starving, and at some point, he's standing in the mud feeding pigs, and the Bible says he came to himself. He came to his senses, and he's thinking, How did I end up here? All I wanted to do was get my hands on some money, take a break from my father. It was a little boring at home. I wanted to get out there and live the good life, enjoy myself a little, do what everybody else is doing. That was my intent, and here I am standing in the mud, flat broke, feeding pigs. How in the world did this happen to me? And you see, church, that's what happens when we allow the devil to use gradual compromise against us. Nobody experimenting with drugs for the first time ever said, I want to be a drug addict and I want to ruin my health, ruin my life, and destroy my family. Nobody watching their first porno film ever said, I want to be so addicted to this trash that it consumes my every thought and it wrecks my life. But I thank God with all the bad decisions the prodigal son made, he did make one good decision. And that was to step out of the mud, clean himself off, and head back to his father who was waiting for him with open arms. Remember this, church, and please don't forget it. Write it down if you must, but please don't forget this. Sin will always take you a lot further than you want to go. So if you want to gain victory over this enemy, the formula is simple. And it's right in God's word. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, so says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness. In the heavenly places, Paul tells us we're in a spiritual warfare. And we often think it's the weakness of the flesh, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And a spiritual battle cannot be won with these. It can't be won with flesh and blood, willpower, and determination alone won't do it. These are supernatural powers, and supernatural powers can only be fought with supernatural power. So, Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand and withstand in the evil day. And, and there's a key word there it's the word whole. The scripture says, Take up the whole armor, take up the entire armor of God. And we got a lot of people taking up some of the armor, but not all of the armor. And, and you know, in my quest to find young fighters who could be good enough to make it to world championship level, What I noticed is it was the guys who had all the attributes of a great fighter that were able to make it and go all the way. If just one key ingredient was missing 99 out of 100 times, they'd never make it. It was the guys who had all the attributes that became champion. And you know, likewise, uh, when, when, when it comes to victory over the enemy, you and I need all of the armor. If one piece of the arm is missing, the devil could get a stronghold on someone. Okay? And then Paul went on to describe that armor as follows. Everything's in the sixth chapter of of Ephesians here, starting with verse 14. It says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth. Since the devil's the father of all lies, he despises the truth. And when a man or woman of God lives in honesty and integrity and truth, that's one of the parts of the armor that needs to be in place. Our yes should be yes and our no should be no. You see, we live in a world of lies and and deceit and darkness, but to to be a man and a woman of honesty and integrity, to be somebody who lives by the truth will clearly distinguish us from the rest of the world. We're a light in darkness. The Bible says he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the father of all lies is extremely uncomfortable around the truth. Paul says in verse 14, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, today we got a lot of trouble distinguishing between those who call themselves Christians and those who don't. The psalmist says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is where? It's in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates how often? Day and night. Day and night. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And if we don't wear the the breastplate of righteousness, if we don't repent and turn to a new direction, if we don't walk in the Spirit so we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh, how can we ever expect to gain victory over the powers of darkness? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, are you prepared this morning? Have you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel? Is God's word stored up here in your heart? When you have God's word stored up in your heart, you're ready for anything. You're ready for any attack the enemy may launch at you. But you must be prepared with the gospel. And for those who have shod their feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, when the enemy tries to bring negativity to your mind, God's word will be there to lift you up. God's Word will be there to comfort you. God's Word will be there to strengthen you. But God's Word must be stored up. You can't draw from God's Word at a moment of crisis and need if that Word isn't stored up right here in your heart. You can't put oil in your labs, church, when the bridegroom comes. The oil must be there. You must be prepared. I hope you're getting this. At verse 16, above all, taking on the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now when Paul said above all, I hope your eyebrows went up because that means that this seems to be the most important part of all of the armor of God, faith. You and I are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith in who we know, not by sight and what we see. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You and I know that faith is the substance of the things hoped for. It's the evidence of what we've not yet seen, and it's faith that moves mountains. When those storms of life hit, Faith can calm those storms and fast. And let me tell you, the devil trembles at childlike faith. It's faith that allows you to walk in total peace and confidence despite circumstances knowing my God's in control. I trust Him. I'm in His clutch. And there is no one and no devil or no demon from hell that's going to pluck me out. When the devil throws those darts, it's the shield of faith that will render those darts worthless. And he says also in verse 17, "and the helmet of salvation. You know, the devil has some of God's people, even God's people, walking around in depression and defeat. Oh, poor me, if you only knew my situation, if you only knew what was going on. And you know what the devil does? He influences us to, 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 to put all our focus on that one area of our life which is difficult, that one trial, that one storm, so it consumes your every thought. You don't think about nothing else, and you can no longer enjoy your life instead of focusing on the dozens upon dozens of blessings that God's bestowed upon your life. Now listen to me, I am not making light of your problems and your trials. Some of you have been through some very serious things, and I take that very serious. But instead of focusing on those problems, it's time that we put on the helmet of salvation and realize who you are in Christ Jesus. Just knowing that you've been redeemed, just knowing that you've been saved and you've got the promise of eternal life, should put a smile on our face from ear to ear despite any circumstances. You know, sometimes we take our salvation for granted. Or we should be walking around, whether we're in the valley or whether we're on the mountaintop, we should be proclaiming, I am saved. I am redeemed, I've been set free. I'm washed in the blood of the lamb. I've been given the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life. And I'm letting the devil know he can hurl all the darts he wants at me. Because with the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, there's nothing the devil or this world is going to throw at me that's going to cause me to walk in defeat or depression or fear. Because I know I'm a child of the living God. I belong to God. I'm the friend of God. And I've been given the gift of salvation thanks to Jesus. Do you realize church? And this is true that 1000 years from now you and I will be gathered around the throne worshiping Jesus. We'll be casting down our crowns, we'll be lifting our hands, and we'll be crying holy, 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 worthy is the lamb. The Bible says a thousand years in his sight it's just like yesterday when it passes. And the last piece of armor that Paul mentioned as we get ready to close, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now I want you to see something. There's something different about the sword of the Spirit than all the other armor. Because you see, all the other armor mentioned is defensive type armor, designed to protect and to deflect the onslaught of the enemy. The helmet of salvation, protective type armor the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, all defensive type armor, but the sword is the one piece of armor designed for you to go on the offensive. You know, I knew some professional boxers who had an amazing defense, and they were terrific at protecting and blocking and slipping punches, and they'd never get hurt. But you know, they lost a lot of fights because they didn't have a great offense. They simply didn't throw enough punches to win, so they wouldn't get hurt, but they never ended up going anywhere. And you know, if you were to teach your son or your daughter or your grandkids to defend themselves by protecting and blocking and covering up, they might not get hurt by the school bully, but I can guarantee you that bully will be back every single day knowing that your kids could take a good beating. Wow. But let one of those kids fight back. Let one of those kids throw a nice short left hook or plant a straight right cross on his jaw and I guarantee you that bully will not be back and he'll be moving on to somebody else who doesn't fight back. You see, (laughs) you see, you see, you see, we can deflect See, we can deflect the darts of the wicked one with the shield of faith. We can protect ourselves with the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, but we need to fire back to get the devil to, to retreat and to back off. And the way you do that is with the sword of the Spirit, with the Word of God. We command the forces of evil to flee by the Word of God. And that's exactly what Jesus himself did. Everything the devil threw his way was answered by the word of God. The devil said, command these stones be made bread. What did Jesus say? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And each time Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus didn't only deflect But he went on the aggressive, swinging the sword. It is written. It is written. It is written. And the devil fleed from him. The next time the devil rings your doorbell and he says, You can't do it. Don't even try. Don't waste your time. You could deflect those dots with the shield of faith. You could pick up the sword and you could say, It is written. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If the devil says you, you better start worrying. I'd be worrying if I were you. You could say, it is written, my God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. If the devil says that medical report didn't come back so well, you may want to start thinking about packing it in. You can say, oh really? You could say, it is written, by his stripes, I am healed. And if the devil responds and says, Yeah, but you're getting worse. What if you don't get healed? What if you die? Even then you could say, It is written to be absent from this body is to be present with my Lord. And when the devil points, and when the devil points his finger in your face and he says to you, he points his finger and he says, You're in some financial mess. It doesn't look good you're sinking like the titanic you could turn around and say to him it is written my god shall supply all my needs according to his glory in christ jesus and lastly lastly when the devil whispers in your ear and he says you see you're all alone i told you you'd be all by yourself you could say oh really It is written, my God shall never leave me. It is written, my God shall never forsake me. It is written, my Jesus is with me always, even until the end of the age. I don't know about you, church. But I'm ready this morning to give the devil an eviction notice signed in the blood of Jesus. You and I have all power over this enemy. We don't have a little power. We don't have some power. We have all power over this enemy. We have power to tread on serpents and scorpions and greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. So as we close, I want all of you to be aware of the lies and deception of the evil one. Recognize him, church, when he shows up and then use the authority Jesus gave you over the devil and his angels. Remember my testimony this morning as God included each and every one of you and that absolute miracle when he opened my eyes to see into the spiritual world. God did that for a reason, so that I could stand up here in the presence of God Almighty and let you know that these demonic forces are very real in your life. I saw them myself, and I'm here to let you know that we need to take authority over this enemy. We need to take authority, and as you take authority and you crutch Satan under your feet this morning, crutch him under your feet this morning, you will begin to see victory in areas of your life that have been an ongoing struggle. You see, recognizing the enemy turned my grandfather's situation from eternal damnation to eternal joy with Jesus in just a matter of minutes and it can certainly turn many of your struggles around as well. Can all of us stand and give the Lord Jesus a big hand of praise? Give him a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. God is good. God is good, sister. God is good, my brothers. God is good, pastor. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. As I close the service, as I close the service this morning, before I pray for all of you, I first want to give you, anybody here, an opportunity who has never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. If somebody's here this morning, anybody, and you've never opened your heart up to Christ, and I'm simply talking, not talking religion here, we're talking relationship. It simply means that we look up to God and we say, Lord, I am sorry for my sin. I am willing to repent. I want to turn to a new direction. And you want to invite Jesus into your heart. And you want him to be the Lord of your life. That gives you the gift of salvation. It changes your situation from eternal damnation to eternal glory with Christ. If anybody's here this morning and you want to just receive Christ into your heart, Would you raise your hand and hold it up for a few seconds? Wave it at me so I could see you. Anybody here this morning that needs Jesus? Anybody? Please, if you lift your hand, hold it up so I could see it. Hold it up high, please, so I could see it. Anybody? Anybody here for Christ? I want to give another few. Oh, thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I have one. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Listen, I'm going to ask you who raised your hand to do something courageous. Come up here. I'm sorry, I don't like to, I don't like to single people out, but we got to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. Amen, Pastor. Come on up here. Come on up here. You made the best decision of your life to accept Christ, and I want all of us stretch out a hand. And let's all repeat after me. And I'm going to ask you, sister, repeat after me as well, okay? Dear God, I come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I am sorry for my sin. Lord, I am sorry for a life apart from you. And Lord, I ask you right now to forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me in the blood of Jesus. Wash me clean. And I shall be white as snow. And right now, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I'm turning to a new direction. And Lord, I believe that you died on that cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe that right now, you are seated at the right hand of God. And you are alive forevermore. forevermore. And I invite you, Jesus, Jesus. into my heart. heart. I make you the Lord of my life. life. And Lord, I promise promise. that I will follow you, I will love you, you. and I will serve you all the days of my life life. in Jesus' name. name. And And I declare according to God's word that I am saved. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Now, now, the Bible says that there's rejoicing in heaven over just one sinner who comes to repentance. So let's give the Lord a hand because there's a lot of, a lot of celebrating going on. And, and just as Just as I close, I want to pray for you. And then Pastor Marie will come up and and dismiss the service. But just before we go, if anybody's here this morning, and please don't take this moment lightly, but if you're here this morning and you've had an area in your life of of a struggle, it could be an addiction it could be something that you've been trying to gain victory over but you can't understand how you cannot gain victory it could be a loved one in your family who you've been praying for and trying to get them to come to jesus and there's a wall of stubbornness and you don't understand it they just won't seem to to cross over they just won't seem to 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 open their heart to the lord it could be an area in your life. It could be, it could be something going on in your family. Rebellion, uh, children, brothers, sisters, uh, a spirit of hatred, a spirit of jealousy. There could be something going on in people that are around you. And you've been praying for them, but you can't seem to gain victory. I'm here this morning to tell you that there could be an enemy who has his hand on that situation. And I want to pray for you that it shall be delivered and it shall be set free. This morning at this altar, no questions asked. If that's you, please come here to the front and allow me to pray for you.
2: You provide the fire And I'll provide the sacrifice You provide the spirit And I will open up inside You provide the fire, and I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide the spirit, and I will open up. the fire thou provide the sacrifice you provide the spirit and i will open up inside sing you provide the fire I will be the sacrifice You provide the spirit And I will open up inside Fill me up God Fill me up God Fill me up God Fill, me up, God. Fill
0: Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. All of us. And more importantly, let's lift our hearts. Let's lift our hearts. Because Jesus is here right now. He's walking amongst us. He's walking amongst us. And he's here to set you free. He's here to heal. He's here to deliver. He's here to restore those relationships. He's here to break those chains in your life of addiction. He's here to break the chains in your life of family stubbornness. He's here to reconcile husbands and wives, bring back that stubbornness, those who won't come into the house of the Lord. Sometimes we, we, we think it's them, we think it's weakness, we think it's stubbornness, but, but we fail to recognize the enemy. And I'm here this morning, I want to pray. As we give the devil that eviction notice, that he will let his grip, or for any situation, in your family, in your body, in your life, in your finances, any situation, the enemy must let go. He has to let go because we're going to command him to let go in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus and Jesus only, you gave us all power over the enemy. And I thank you, Lord, for what you did that day in that hospital room, Lord. I'll never forget the power that I had over the enemy because of you, Lord, not because of me. And so, Father, we stand here as men and women of God. Men and women of God because we've accepted Jesus. Men and women of God because we love Jesus and because of the cross. And, Lord, I lift them all up that are standing here this morning with hands lifted, Father. You know every situation, Lord. And I come against the works of darkness on anybody's life right now, Lord. If there's any addictions here this morning, I pray they be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. We command any evil forces right now. They must flee in the name of Jesus. If there's any evil forces coming against anybody's physical body right now, I command them in the name of Jesus to be gone. If there's any forces that have come against our families, come against our children, husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, co-workers, friends, anything. And there's them walls of stubbornness, Lord, because of the enemy. I rebuke him right now in the name of Jesus. And those walls of stubbornness must fall right now like the walls of Jericho, Lord God. I pray for victory for your people, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord, from this day forward that everyone in this room, Lord, will be aware of the enemy when he shows up, Lord. They'll be made aware when the enemy shows up, Lord. And when the enemy shows up, they'll recognize him, O oh God, and they'll take the authority that you gave us, Lord God. The authority that you gave us, Lord to trample on serpents and scorpions, oh God. We have authority, Lord. Let your people, Lord God, have the visual wisdom, Lord, to recognize that enemy, Lord God. And we're going to walk out of here this morning, Lord God, as victorious people, Lord God. And we're letting the evil one know that he has no place in our lives, no more place in our lives and we use the authority Jesus gave us and all God's people prayed and we say amen. amen give the Lord a big hand of praise
1: hallelujah praise the Lord amen amen give the Lord a hand of praise lift up your voice and give him praise yes we rejoice we lift unto you the shout of victory, O oh God, because we know victory is ours in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father we just pray that as we leave from this place Lord God your word and your spirit would continue to speak to our hearts Lord God that we would rise up in the authority and the anointing of your Holy Spirit Lord God to see great spiritual victories accomplished Lord God in our lives in our families Lord God in our community and in our church Lord God Father bless your people as we leave from this place give them a day of rest and restoration and as we go from this building remind us that we are entering our mission field and may we shine brightly for you in jesus name amen amen give brother guerrero a big hand of appreciation amen wonderful message we appreciate that so much and he's going to be speaking for us again in november so you will not want to miss it invite your friends and family god bless you amen
0: thank you for joining us today if you were blessed by this message would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry, you can text any amount to 954 516 That's 954 516 Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.